Welcome to the April episode of Jazz Talk Seattle. My name is Josh. And my name is Max. And here today, not in the studio with us, but through the power of the internet, uh, is Greg Balalchi all the way from New York City. How's it going, Greg? Very good. How are you guys? Pretty Doing good. Pretty good. Great. Uh, this is the first time we've done a remote <laughs> interview on this podcast, and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, yeah, we're... Uh, here to talk about Greg's new record called Book of Hours, which is not out yet. Is that correct? It's not out yet. And when is it slated to be released? Uh, the street date is May 3rd. And um, the lovely people at Ears and Eye Records, Ears and Eyes, excuse me, based out of Chicago, um, they're releasing it on their label. Um, yeah, so May 3rd is the date. Very cool. Uh, before we even talk about the music, I just would like to uh, ask if the title is supposed to be some kind of pun, because it's, uh, <laughs> for those who can't see the album cover, it's Book of H-O-U-R-S, not Book of R's, like O-U-R-S. I just was wondering if that was intentional. Uh, it's not a pun, no. Um, okay. Book of Hours was, um, it was, simul well, there's two sources of the title, Um there's the famous poet Rilke, who had a collection of poetry called Book of Hours. And um, a lot of that poetry is kind of existential and spiritual in nature. Um, he's kind of reflecting on God and the universe and some, you know, mystical things. And um, the other source is a Book of Hours in the ancient world or medieval world was a a book of prayers that people would um, pray out of throughout different times of the day. Um, so that's where the title comes from. The um, Excellent. Yeah. Glad I asked. Yeah. And are each of the tracks um, one of those hours in the book then? No. So um, there originally the piece was just five movements, uh, Kyrie, Gloria, Credo, Sanctus and Agnus Dei, and those actually come from the Latin Mass, um, which in the Catholic tradition is um, the it's the liturgy, the order of a, a Catholic service. Um, for those five. For those five, yeah. And depending on the time of year, um, there might be some different responses or offertories or something like that. If it's a, there's a requiem masses, so you know. Mozart's famous Requiem um, is also a mass. So it's this format for um, setting these particular texts. There's um, three additional tracks on the record, Aurora, Jure, and um, Dusk. And mm -hmm. that was originally a solo guitar piece um, that cool. I, I rearranged for quartet. And the name Jure is actually a... Um, prayer in the islamic tradition um so mm. my interest was to kind of take these different spiritual traditions and kind of try to make it into one um i myself am not a religious or spiritual person um but i do think that um uh the, the, these kind of topics are good source material for music and inspiration so that's kind of all where it came from yeah, so I know that a lot of uh, composers have used um, pieces of that Catholic system mm -hmm. um, compositionally before. Are there musical uh, traditions or trends or patterns that 
tend to follow uh, within those sections? Yeah. So, yeah, the way that I kind of came to um, the idea was basically that I wanted to write a mass, you know, in the same tradition, following the tradition of like Mozart, Beethoven, um, Arvo Pert has written a mass, uh, Stravinsky, all the way back to early music composers like Palestrina. Um, I think maybe Gisualdo wrote a mass. I can't remember. Maybe not. Um, there's another I think famous. Key wrote wrote one, but it might have been a Satanic mass. Cool. I missed that one. Yeah. <laughs> I should I should listen to that one. Um, <laughs> I, I went through a season where I was only listening to masses. Um, I have a big interest in vocal music, and generally, masses are. In fact, I think all every other mass contains uh vocalist singers to recite the text um so what those masses all have in common is the text um, oh i see okay yeah so cool. but but so, all the melodies are different obviously so i'm gonna back up and rewind a little sure i didn't do a proper job of introducing you Alchi <laughs> is a guitarist and composer arranger wonderful musician and he's in fact the guitarist on the Tyrant Lizard record that we talked about. Uh, oh, that's right. Last mm -hmm. month, mm -hmm. uh, with Ray Larson as the band leader for that mm -hmm. uh, for that record. So today we're talking to Greg about his new record, Book of Hours, mm -hmm. which we've started talking about already. <laughs> so we just kind of too eager right to talk it. about it. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. it's a wonderful record. Both Max and I have gotten a chance to listen to it. Greg was kind enough to let us uh, get an advanced listening and. I really like this record. You're going to want to hear it. For sure. Uh, so let's see. One of the questions I have about this record is um, how was this recorded? It sounds like it was done uh, pretty like it sounds pretty live. Just like there's so much interplay between all the different parts and instruments. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. This record was recorded here in New York. Um by the amazing Phil Weinrobe um, out of his studio, Rivington 66, in the Lower East Side. Phil is a really amazing musician and engineer um, and just captured the sounds beautifully. Um, and we were all in the same room. Um, yeah, the guitar amp was baffled a little bit. We did get some separation between all the instruments. The Wurlitzer cool. and the bass were going direct. Um, but no, it was basically just us sitting in a circle, playing it down, but that wasn't necessarily the feeling that I was going for. Um, I, I personally don't mind, um, overdub. There are some overdubs in this, obviously, um, mm -hmm. cause you can hear multiple guitar tracks and then right. some kind of ambient layers and stuff like that. And that all was done overdubbed or at a different time. Um, sure. But I, I don't have any personal problem with that in fact i kind of encourage it i i like um i like layers and i like um i like it when people are thoughtful about the um sonic spectrum and space that they're taking up um definitely yeah it's a good tool that opens up a lot of artistic possibilities for sure definitely yeah i mean i do think it is pretty nuts that like all those early blue note records were just done around one microphone or something like that something obscene but yeah. um i actually especially just especially for how many takes they took too. yeah exactly yeah yeah i think monk was like one like two takes at most and if they didn't get it they just didn't that record didn't or that song didn't make it on the record mm -hmm. i don't know mm -hmm. I don't, you guys... has it that uh 
kind of blue most of the tracks on that is like the first time they played it all the way through successfully was the one that made it onto the record too. you know that's actually that's interesting i was just going to bring that up i actually heard that kind of blue was totally doctored like a bunch oh, of really a bunch of tape really? splices i i think i think it was kind of blue but but that well we have conflicting sources. That we have that. conflicting sources. That's really interesting. <laughs> there, I mean, there's a video of uh, that session in the, uh, I think it's the Columbia Studios or some, no, somewhere. They were playing those same songs. No kidding. And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously not the, the album takes, but, uh, but there's it's footage really cool of footage. Yeah, they're wow. playing it live and it's it's in this humongous like concrete room. It's like a hangar, basically. Whoa. And just the natural reverb is is pretty nuts. Wow, and it's a great yeah. Everyone's smoking cigarettes and stuff, and just standing <laughs> around, and <laughs> it's really interesting to see them record. Well, we gotta we gotta dive into this and get to the bottom of it. <laughs> I, I don't know, who knows? We should probably figure it out if there's any overdubs or splices on that record or not. Okay, well, so I'm really interested in the fact that you mentioned that the I think three right extra tracks um, outside of the original suite of five that you said mm -hmm. were originally solo guitar pieces. Were those written by you as well? They were, yeah. That was written at a time when I was doing mostly solo and duo music. Um, my first record was a collection of solo guitar music and then duo with my wife Chelsea um, and. I that the that piece that's on Book of Hours didn't make make it on the record, um, but at that time, yeah, I just got playing solo was maybe the most difficult thing I've ever done as a as a musician, and I just couldn't like handle it anymore. To be honest, um, it's just, just it's to... it's really really demanding, and I was doing everything memorized. I hardly ever read on my own gigs. Hmm. Um, so and just the pressure of like you know playing these things these through composed pieces memorized and they're really difficult i just decided that i didn't want to do that anymore but i still liked this piece of music so i rearranged it for quartet cool and yeah i thought it turned out pretty good i'd like to talk about um aurora for a second sure um when i started listening to it i was i mean it, it starts out fairly uh, atonally kind of um, and it's a 12 tone row yeah I was going to ask yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and for those who don't know that is if you want to elaborate on that for a second so a 12 tone row is um, basically there are 12 pitches in western music and um, uh, I would say maybe 90% of melodies that you hear on the radio um, are seven note scales major or minor scales and the 12 tone row system is using all 12 pitches um before a note is repeated um and this was introduced probably some people say ives was the first um but it might be schoenberg we ives, actually schoenberg yeah right some there's like a debate whether charles ives came up <laughs> with it first but some people say he went back and like revised his work after he yep. heard Schoenberg, but I don't really care about trivia, so yeah, we'll just say and Ives slash Schoenberg. There we go. Yeah. Anyway, so I was listening to it, and I was, you know, usually to uh, music that involves tone rows and and such uh, is is kind of 
it kind of stays within that realm of, of what most people would probably call uh, experimental or kind of like um, out of the ordinary sounding music. Mm-hmm. Um, and then suddenly it kind of morphed. And I was listening, I listened to this whole record all the way through and it just destroyed my expectations um, that I initially created in the first part of Aurora uh, in a good way. Oh, I mean, okay. I, oh. it, it totally started morphing and it just started telling this amazing story. Um, and I just did not go where I thought it would. And uh, I was just wondering if there was, if you were trying to get any certain kind of message or anything across with Aurora uh, in the beginning. Um, well, maybe I'll just comment on, I, I think I'm with you in that when you listen to quote unquote, like 12 tone or serial serialism music, you tend to think that it's going to be uh, like uh, harmonically maybe uncomprehensible incomprehensible um like there's and and i tend to agree like if i listen to schoenberg um i can't really tell what he's harmonically doing at least in like a traditional sense that um like like i think your average listener would be fairly lost right yeah so my i think i got lucky with the 12 the 12 tone row that i came up with um because i actually found it very flexible in um, creating some harmonic implications. Um, cause I'm very much attached to like chords, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I like yeah. triads. Um, but I, I think this, um, that row in Aurora per- in particular was, uh, lended itself well to, um, uh, chords that people were already accustomed to. Um, mm-hmm. and I, 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 th- I can't remember, but I think I wrote that one as a, f- fugue or like a semi-fugue so i treated it like a subject and then when the keys come in that's the same row but transposed and then those two rows are interacting with each other um uh kind of like a fugue would you know yeah so i was trying to find consonant intervals um at certain locations yeah and as 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 i went through the course of this album i mean it it goes up and down this mountainscape of of avant-garde sounding tone rows to really just grooving juicy beat sections with awesome bass to like i mean it kind of goes all over the place and it's just quite a journey i really really enjoyed it oh i appreciate that thank you yeah yeah i mentioned a little earlier on that uh a lot of these pieces are through composed what do you mean by that? Is there less improvisation going on or, or Yeah, there's not really a whole lot of open forms happening. Um I um yeah, there's not there's like open imp- improvisation sections. Um but for the most part um there's a beginning, middle and an end. I mean, there's a beginning, middle and end to any jazz tune obviously, but um I was really trying to create my idea was just to make like a 45 minute piece, you know, broken up into separate movements. Um, That's what it sounded like to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely get that feeling as well. Yeah. And, um, I guess I just, to me, um, I didn't want anything to feel tune based, you know, like we're going to play the melody and then we're going to improvise over the melody or the Mm -hmm. changes. And then, play the melody again i didn't want 
this particular thing to sound or feel like that. Sure. Um, I've, I, I mean, Tyrant Lizard has some music like that. Um, other bands of mine have music like that, but this record, um, I felt like I wanted it to be more of a story or more of a narrative, you know, for sure. Um, yeah. So it's interesting to me that you mention uh, movements and how these separate tracks are. You think of them as movements of the same piece. Mm -hmm. I felt so I, I get that. Um, but I also felt uh, like I heard movements within the tracks as well, especially for I forget which numbers of th these tracks are, but Kyrie and Gloria mm -hmm. in particular. I, OK, I'm pulling up the list now, the second and the fourth track. I hear movements uh, within those tracks. Um, can you, how yeah. do you feel about that? Yeah, so Kyrie in particular um, is, if I wanted to break it down into a, a form, um, would be like A, B, C, rather. Um, the, the, the lyrics to Kyrie, the Kyrie movement are Kyrie Ileson, Christe Ileson, Kyrie Ileson. I think that's what it is. Um, it basically means Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, or something like that. Um, so I just took those, I took those lyrics and I just separated them. You know, I said, okay, this first line of text is going to be its own mm. section, its own um, hmm. form. You know, so we'll designate that as A. And then Christe Eleison, that's another, that's a new form, you know? So cool. within these forms, I was trying to create some contrast. Um, and yeah, just like any jazz standard, like, uh, I don't know, name a jazz standard, Max. Um, beautiful Friendship. A, B, right? Uh, I think so. I have to get it in my head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I think so. Yeah. Or like, what, what's like a classic like AABA song? Oh, what is this thing called? Love. How about sure. That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, ba da 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 da. That happens again. A A, mm -hmm. and then the bridge. Da 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 da. That's the bridge, and then it goes back to the A section. So you could Glad basically. I'm not singing. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a highly trained singer. I now, can tell. Uh, you, know, you can, you know, you can break up. Um, I, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. Go for um, it. There's a, a friend of mine is an amazing painter, and he um, he has a lot of these paintings that are actually done on two sometimes three different canvases but they're all the same painting and they're mm -hmm. um framed and put right next to each other and um two paintings framed separately but of the same painting is called a diptych and three is called a triptych huh. and um i can't think of any famous paint i guess monet has some have you guys either of you been to like the moma in new york i wish there's um yes do you know that don't remember there's like particular diptychs or triptychs there's one room dedicated this to this one monet painting and it's massive it takes up the entire room and I i've think, heard about that yeah so it's done on three separate canvases but it's all of the it's all the same painting right mm. so that's a that's an example of a visual triptych and yeah. um i think that's kind of what i was 
going for in some of these pieces. I was like, okay, this is all that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, this is all the same subject, but I want there to be some division between the different um, the different sections. You know. Cool. Well, why don't we give our listeners a a listen to Curie? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Cool. Here we go.
Well, that was beautiful, Greg. Thank you so much. That was, uh, I really love this track in particular on this record. Thank you. Thank you very I've much. got some questions. I think, I don't know if it's like the second or third movement. I can't remember now. Um, there's, I hear some instrument that I think is some kind of keyboard or synthesizer, but it feels like really floaty and icy and cold and kind of echoey and distant. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, probably. Yeah. So that's, I imagine you're talking about the Wurlitzer and um, my keyboard player, Dove Mansky has this amazing reverb pedal. And ah. uh, what you're hearing is reverse reverb and the mix turned Whoa. up all the way. So he'll play something and then the reverb signal of that um, comes out. And yeah, it's just this amazing, Cool. Uh, it's a really amazing effect. Um, and I, I don't know. I was, I was really interested in new sounds on this record. There's yeah. some, somebody also commented on like the guitar and Wurlitzer interplay, how there's some passages that we play in unison. And they were like, at times I like, didn't know what instrument that was. Mm. And that wasn't necessarily a conscious decision of mine, but I can see that it could be a little, some like somewhat not alarming, but like quizzical to a listener, you know? Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah it's really pretty interplay for sure so speaking of which uh who's on this record let's uh there's a you on guitar you mentioned the keys player on on a whirly mm -hmm. dove mansky and... the bass mm -hmm. player is matt Aronoff, and mm -hmm. uh the drummer is michael w davis cool um all really amazing musicians living in brooklyn um uh, and yeah um it didn't take me very long to put this band together um I think they were some of the first guys that I met when we moved here. And then it just so happened that they interpreted the music perfectly the way that I wanted. So, uh, yeah. So you actually recently moved there well, fairly recently, I guess. Yeah. And uh, um, winter of 2016. Yeah. Yeah. 16. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you, did you go to the university of Washington as well? I did for my master's. Yeah. Cool. My undergrad was at Cornish. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So it was, you were in Seattle for a long time before you moved out to New York. I was in Seattle for nine years. Um, I There was like a good chunk of time before we actually moved that I was going to New York fairly often. Um, mm. I, don't, I have a lot of friends. I had friends over here. Um, and I was coming out pretty regularly to play. Um, and yeah, we decided to make the move um, a few years ago, so cool what prepped yeah. at the move um you, you know i felt like i had spent enough time in seattle um a lot there's so many amazing musicians here um that i wanted to learn from um so i just thought how what's better than to just be close to them you know sure um one of my big influences is um guitarist and composer ben monder and it turns out he lives like five minutes from me like I've just walked to his place and, you know, hung with him. And Frizzell actually moved um, not like two stops away from me on the same train pretty soon mm. after we moved. Um, so oh, there's... I didn't realize he'd moved back to New York. Yeah, yeah, pretty... Yeah, like six months after we did. Um, so there's just a really strong community of musicians here that I wanted to be 
close to. So cool. Yeah. How has uh, breaking into the scene been? I've always found that um, quite an intimidating concept, picking it up from a city and uh, trying to get with a whole new scene of musicians and figuring out how to make music with new people. I, I feel like I had somewhat of an, I mean, not an easy time. I mean, like I'm not working as much as I was when I was in Seattle, but I'm mm-hmm. actually kind of okay with that too. Um, I already had like a pretty strong community of musicians that I knew over here. Sure. Um, so, and a lot of the people that I'm playing with now are friends of friends and then you get to know them and then you get to know their friends and yeah, you, you know, it, it takes some time, but, um, it hasn't felt difficult to me. I'm, I'm playing in several projects right now that I'm really excited about. Um, and all the musicians that I've been hanging with have been really, really wonderful, sweet, supporting people. Um, so yeah, it hasn't really felt like an issue to me. Cool. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad to hear that the, the process is going well. Thank you. Yeah. Is it uh, feasible to support yourself as a musician in New York today? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, but I know several people who are, you know. I mean, there are varying degrees to that. You know, a lot of people right. that I know are teaching, um, and that's maybe their main source of income. But Matt, the bass player on this record, he's just playing full time. I mean, he plays with everybody. He's also on the road all the time, too. Um another band that I play with um, a trio of mine. Matt is also in that band and the drummer is Jason Berger. Who's a really, really amazing, wonderful drummer. Um, he's playing full time. Cool. Um, yeah. There are plenty of people who are just working, but um, I, I decided for myself that I, um, at this time I kind of wanted to just work a part-time job like have a, a steady a steady like money-making job yeah and then have time to just focus on writing um right right now i'm not um like looking for background gigs or anything like that um, right I, i'm kind of just wanting to play original music but um that comes at a cost so i'd pay for, for sure. that cost by working a day job <laughs> it's true yeah well, I wanted to go back really quick. Um, I had another one more question about the record. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was about the art. Um, so on the record and the... You're doing a little tour, which we'll talk about. Um, but the all the images basically are you with your face covered or like hidden in the dark. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious um, if you know what, what that was about. Because in the album cover... Actually, wait, is it? Yeah, it's the album cover. Uh, there's like a big upside down bouquet of flowers mm-hmm. uh, in front of you. Yeah. And I was just curious, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, there's a couple album covers that um, kind of inspired that. And I actually don't remember what they are. One of them is an Eric Rivas record. Uh, oh, okay. He's a great bass player. He's an amazing bass player. Yeah, um, and there's kind of this character um, with their face obscured by some kind of image, and then there's a Tony Malaby record um, where there's this kind of this like skulking person, like uh, like 
rummaging through this wheat field and they also have like this i don't know like mask of wheat or like some kind of grain over their face Whoa. and yeah it's really it, <laughs> it it puts off a vibe and i feel like mine's a little bit softer than both of those you know it's maybe less like i don't know intimidating or something but i think it's um i think what i was trying to go for was i didn't want the i don't want my image to be a representation like who what i look like or who i am I, I didn't want that to be um in the way of the music you know i just wanted the music to be its own thing interesting um, that's cool se separate from you know i i think it's maybe just a retaliation to um the image driven music that's popular you know across the board today yeah yeah exactly you know everything's so much glam and glitz and i i realize why or i understand why that's a thing and why and how that sells and i think it's an effective thing but i think maybe this was just anti that you know cool um yeah yeah that's a really great question max thank you sure yeah so cool this record is coming out may 20th was that right uh may 3rd is the street date uh, Sorry. whoops the, yeah no but the cd <laughs> release the cd release show in brooklyn is on may 20th ah maybe that's yeah. why I came up with that number. We'll pretend that's why I knew that number. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I remember you telling me earlier when we were preparing for this episode that you're actually touring this in support of this record out here on the West Coast. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I fly into Seattle a week from today. Um, the first show is on Friday. I think that's the 12th. Yep. Uh, yeah, so that's at the Royal Room. Cool. Yeah. And um, two of my buddies are opening for us uh jim knapp's scrape ensemble uh that's cool. his string orchestra and then this amazing singer songwriter mike dumovich um he'll be also playing a set of music wonderful are yeah. you flying your whole quartet uh the, the whole quartet is coming out to, to do this no so i'm actually taking two of my buddies um two seattle musicians on the road with me daniel salka and remy morit cool hmm. um so we'll be doing Seattle, Tri-Cities, Washington, Portland, Arcata, Chico, San Francisco, L.A., and Phoenix. Wow. That sounds like quite a tour. Oh, so you're doing yeah. it as a, as a trio then? Yeah. Yeah. So um, not to be long-winded about this, but originally the, the five movements that I was talking about earlier was written for a, a nine-piece ensemble. Whoa. Um, wow yeah two trumpets alto sax drums bass clarinet violin and guitar i think that's it's not easy to take a nine-piece band on the road no it's also financially impossible for me <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, that's kind of what i meant for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah yeah um but at some point i rearranged all that music for guitar keys and drums and um only like a couple years ago decided to add bass uh, wow. huh. yeah so it went from a nine piece to a three piece to a four piece and interesting now it's a three piece again yeah cool so does your keyboard player end up playing a lot of the bass role uh, yeah three piece then? yeah yeah so we'll kind of both be switching bass roles but um yeah originally it was me daniel playing 
me playing guitar, Daniel playing Rhodes, and um, William Mapp, uh, another great drummer in Seattle, was playing oh, yeah. drums. Uh, mm-hmm. Thomas Campbell has played. Uh, yeah, and then uh, when I decided that bass, Tim Carey and Mark Hunter were both uh, in the mix. But yeah, originally as trio, it was a lot. It was thinner sounding, obviously, but it was kind of cool. Like that's not an instrumentation that I've heard before. So it was kind of fun to experiment with that. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. It's a fun one to play with. I've gotten to do that um, on as a keyboard player before, and it's a interesting balance tossing the bass roll between the guitarist and the keyboardist. Definitely, yeah, yeah. It's definitely something that um, I felt like needs to be practiced. It's not a thing that 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 inner that interplay isn't a default thing that just magically happens you have to work on it or at least for me i did well i actually i don't know yeah i guess it does have to be practiced but i also think that you just have to be comfortable without some low end sometimes you know That's like fair uh there's some of my favorite tim Byrne records are actually a lot of his bands don't have bass in them but one of them in particular is this band um well, I don't know if it's the band name, but the record is called Science Friction, and it's alto <laughs> guitar. It's such a timber and title. Um, it's alto sax, guitar, Rhodes, and drums, and kind of the Rhodes huh. is kind of just holding down the low end. Um, but yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it sounds super thick and grooving, and yeah, and I think Tim in interviews has said he didn't want bass player. Be- he didn't want a bass player because he wanted the drums to provide more low end he wanted the drums to explore those frequencies more i just saw a band last night that had the same instrumentation actually what band was that guitar keys drums and two saxophones it was called illy bogart in seattle yeah they're they're, uh on tour from i think oakland slash san francisco oh cool what was the music um it's all original stuff it's it's pretty cool actually they sound really good wow awesome yeah i wonder if they like tim burn i don't know quite possibly yeah. <laughs> awesome so uh we're i think coming up on time here but i would love to close with another one of your tunes um maybe we could uh let's see close with dusk sounds good oh yeah awesome how fitting well thank you so much for joining us greg um yeah thank you for having really, me really wonderful record and for all of our listeners please go out to the royal room and check out the show uh let's repeat it again april 12th is that right april 12th at the april royal 12th room. friday at yep. the royal room record comes out on the third mm-hmm. will people be able to pick up an advanced copy of your record if they go yes. to your shows yes. ah if i don't forget go. to pack the cds with me <laughs> awesome well thank you again greg for joining us and here and, is don't, dust. and don't forget to give us a like on facebook if you right. want to find out what we're doing like us on Facebook, Jazz Talk Seattle. You can, uh, if you're listening on SoundCloud or wherever, we're also on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, all those things. All the usual social media places. 